Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Christmas is approaching for the (laughs) NFL. I know a lot of people treat the NFL draft like that. Well, I don't know, maybe open a present or two, or at least tease you with some presents on today's edition of Kevin's Corner. I am Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley across the way. Dane Brugler, NFL draft analyst, in my opinion, I think he's the best one uh, right now uh, from The Athletic. Um, We are going to play an interview with him a little bit later on in the podcast. I'm really looking forward to that. And just in general, Chris, the Stephon Gilmore signing. Mm -hmm. Just got back from the Colts complex their first day of off-season program media availability. Some Debo Samuel smoke. I am uh, really, really looking forward to this pod. Yeah, and like I teased yesterday, and this was before the news came out today and with Debo, and he's plus... I think I think Colts have the second best odds if you want to go really Vegas plus six hundred. One of the best. Uh, I think it was the the Colts, the Jets, the Falcons, and the Saints. I, I mean, believe are the the four teams. Guess that, the Jets based off the Tyreek Hill, right? You know, rumors from earlier in the off season. So, so yeah, but a lot to get into as we you know we approach. I mean, what we're ten days away from the draft. Well, yeah, I mean, less than that. Less than that, yeah, it. yeah. A week from Thursday, a week from tomorrow. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon, a little bit later. I wanted to get again to the Colts for their offseason program. Uh, we'll go over a positional mock draft. I felt like this is the time to kind of reveal that. You guys know I do it every year, and I always enjoy that because I do think, as much as you know, every GM, all thirty-two, will come to the podium. A week from Thursday or Friday, and say, "Well, I mean, who's the best player on our board?" And we just, you know, <laughs> felt like the Chiefs are not going to take Malik Willis. I mean, you know, like right. you know full well that the best player at a position of need is how you should operate and do operate with the draft. So, um, I guess before we get to Stephon Gilmore, we haven't had a chance to talk about him, Chris. So I do want to mention him before we get to the mock draft and Dane Brugler. Um, I did just get back from the Colts complex. It is a nine-week off-season program. This is week one. Um, rookies will be there for the entire nine weeks. Veterans will go for eight weeks. They'll have a mandatory mini camp, June 7th through 9th, and then they will depart. Um, and I'm expecting the physicality to be pretty limited in the spring, which you know, is probably par for the course for a lot of NFL teams. I do think the Colts err on a little bit more of a less physical spring again no one's putting on full pads it's right just not allowed things like that um, you know i did find it interesting frank greg mentioned you know about 10 to 20 percent of the offense will be different with the arrival of matt ryan i think some of that is ryan induced you know he wants to do some things differently and his concepts and his language uh, ha- have that background and you give your quarterback in a frank Reich offense you know full autonomy at the line of scrimmage so you want to make sure he feels comfortable and can process things at a very quick manner what I really was intrigued by is when I heard Frank share the 10 to 20%, I'm thinking, well, you know, what about defense? You know, we've talked so much about Matt Ryan, rightfully so, this offseason. Chris, for the first time since 2018, the Colts are installing a new defense, and they've got multiple new offensive line starters. You know, in a normal offseason, those would get a whole lot of attention. It just has been a little bit on the back burner here at Indy. And so I asked Reich, okay, you know, what about defense? What would you throw the percentage there? And he said, probably about 30%. Um, man, I mean, that's that's a decent percentage. You know, I, 
the four-man front is still going to be there, and the three-deep zone, of course, will be something a little bit different. But uh, I am intrigued by that. You guys know I felt like this defense reached a ceiling under Matt Eberflus, and I think fresh voices, fresh perspective, um, ideas, certainly some talent, uh, will make things you know a little bit more interesting. You, you obviously hope the ceiling is higher, which I, I, I could see why you would think that. On that side of the ball, we'll get to Stephon Gilmore here in a second. So those are really some of the big things. Uh, they did mention, I'm not sure if we got a Twitter question, but it sounds like T.Y. Hilton is still mm-hmm. someone the Colts think about and not to like you know, treat it like a boyfriend and an ex-girlfriend or something <laughs> like that or vice versa, but basically the door's not shut right. on that. And I think you could say that about a lot of veterans this time of year with how teams handle the draft and things like that, you know, Going pay in the Dangbo last year probably slammed the door shut on Justin Houston, that sort of thing. So um, I do think T.Y. Hilton could possibly still be a Colt in 2022, uh, but I think the draft could impact that. So um, yeah, yeah, this is a great time of year. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, like you said, as as we approach draft day, and then and, and then again, just back to your point that you just made. The draft also is indicative of what what other players decide to do. So right. it will be interesting. Obviously, Dane, we, Kevin teased he's going to be on here. He has a lot of really good insight. Kevin and Jake Query ask him a lot of good questions. 1075thefan.com, as you guys always know, who don't necessarily listen here locally, that's where you can go to pick up Kevin's stuff. A lot of people are talking about the fact that we made a splash not only with Ngakwe on the right. defensive line, but the big news this last week was Stefan Gilmore. Is the cannonball splash bigger than can opener? Do I have that right? I think it depends on your body size and how okay. you, how good you are at maybe at cannonball. Going in. You can get deeper into the water. Maybe that uh, more of a sonic boom. To I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, whereas can opener, you can maybe uh, get a little bit of a wider body the and splash maybe, gets a little hot. Like there's more verticality I was with say the water more width with the can opener, more depth with the cannonball. Yeah. Again, and then sometimes if you're like me and was, you get too scared to dive right at the end and just belly flop. Sure, yeah, <laughs> and then come out of the water and boy, a lobster just right on your belly there. Yeah, um, I think Ngakwe was a bigger splash. Is basically what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. So cannonball, whatever you want to call it, um, I think he brings that presence. And again, in a Gus Bradley defense that does not want to blitz a whole lot, I think you just need that sort of edge rusher. Also, you don't have the injury history nor the age of Gilmore. Right. Um, you guys have heard me say this endlessly, whether it was Xavier Rhodes a couple of off-seasons ago, whether it was Erica Ebron a couple of off-seasons before that, Chris. I will always be a fan of kicking the tires on former first-round picks. Always. Now, this one is is probably the priciest, certainly the priciest of those two, or uh, those three if you want to combine all of them. But, you know, the Colts got into a position at corner where I'm like, man, you, you got to 2019 and you entered that draft and took Rocky Scene 34th overall, and all of a sudden, Chris, he played the most defensive snaps of anybody on your football team in that rookie year. And I just felt like Presbyterian Temple background got exposed a little bit right away. And sure, Darius Leonard, he made the transition – um, from a low level, pretty seamlessly. But I think when you're out on a corner or when you're out on an island at times, you just get exposed a little bit more. You can't really hide out there. 
And um, that's where I look at this move and think, man, outside of that, it was Brandon Faison and Isaiah Rogers as your nickel group around Kenny Moore. It's a lot of pressure to put on those guys there. Um, the other thing I'm curious about is what does this mean just schematically? Mm-hmm. You know, is Gus Bradley going to be more willing to press a little bit? Do we see man coverage? There's the highlight going around. We're late in a game last year with Carolina. Now, unfortunately for Colts fans, it comes at the expense of a Matt Ryan pick. Uh, Stephon Gilmore's man-on-man with Kyle Pitts in the slot. That's not something you would see from a from a Colts corner. Right. Um, you know, Are those things the Colts want to explore with? I love ideas. You know me, man. Put more in your back pocket because you never know when you're going to need it on a game day. You never know when Hunter Renfro's kicking your ass or – you know, what was it, Brandon Marshall had 37 catches against the Colts a decade ago. Yeah. You know, when he, I think he was playing for the Dolphins maybe or Jets. I kind of forget. No, I think one. he was, he was, I think or he was Bronco? a Bronco. Was he was, he a Bronco? I think he had like 20, it was something crazy. He set the record for most receptions in a game. Yeah, I remember the that. Orange of the Dolphins had me thinking that. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it, you just want to be able, I think, to go to different pitches. Um, so I am interested to see that aspect to it. And then if you look at the defense as a whole, man, you can check so many boxes of Ngakwe is an edge rusher. Buckner is an interior guy. Leonard speaks for himself. You know, Kenny Moore, assuming those last couple games were the outliers last year, him as a slot. You hope Julian Blackman can get back to full health. Outside long corner was kind of the one you were like, hmm, about that. Now, again, I think your rush can cover up sometimes a weaker cornerback play. I think it's easier to do that than vice versa. Um, but and I'll throw in the butt because you have to acknowledge health. You have to acknowledge age. Um, you know, a buddy of mine texted me, like, man, how many 32-year-old corners even play in the NFL? I mean, there can't be many, right? Uh, let alone play at a high level. And when you look at the last couple of years, Chris, you know, he's missed 14 games, Gilmore. Uh, why? Because of quad and groin injuries. And not to bring up, like, ugly names of the past, but – I think you saw it with Greg Toller. You saw it with Vontae Davis. Hell, I even think you saw it with Xavier Rhodes a little bit last year. Yeah. Rhodes has been incredibly durable throughout his career. What happens? He gets that nagging hamstring in August, and I don't think he ever got over it. Missed some games, and I just don't think he ever really got over it. True. Um, so that is something. Yeah, but gosh, the other name that comes to mind is, remember Patrick Robinson? Yeah. Does that name ring a bell at all? He was kind of late Gregson signing, but... Um, again, it's just a position where you can get exposed with a little nick, and it's hard to hide those things. Um, if you look at the Carolina numbers for Gilmore last year, the snap counts were not very high. I think he played, I want to say he played like eight games, and only two of those eight games was he over 60%, 65%. So, um I'm not expecting him to come in here and start 17 games and play 100% of the snap. So you're going to have to rely on other guys, Rodgers and Faison being those guys. But if health cooperates, this is a move. Um, I won't get too deep into like his coverage numbers from last year because I've seen some very different, you know, some stat sites had him as, you know, really, really strong in coverage. I know pro football reference, which anyone can access. Mm-hmm. Had him, you know, much weaker in coverage last year, like ugly weak in, in coverage last year. Um, you know, I think a lot of it, Chris, was, you know, the sixth-round pick, 
he was traded for and, and the contract and the injuries that played into some of the limited role and just the lack of, you know, kind of big moving piece at the trade deadline. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a signing that, to me, it doesn't necessarily lessen the long-term outlook for corner at all, and it shouldn't if the, in the draft. But I think what it takes away is, you know, I think we've seen some mocks that have the Colts taking a corner in the second or third round. There's a possibility that that second or third round corner could have been asked to play, you know, 90% of the snaps as a rookie, 80% of the snaps as a rookie. I think this takes that away. Correct, yeah. Um, and, and with him and Rodney McLeod, I mean, that's Super Bowl-type resumes on your roster, Super Bowl winners, I should Correct. say. So I think that is important as well because you had a lot of youth in the secondary there. So Yeah, and it, it's nice to have Gus Bradley come over. We're obviously seeing the way he's wanting to hopefully shift the defense to a degree and and as we always talk about, it is a passing league now. So if right. it's going to be a passing league on offense and you already feel like your offense is a little bit solidified, which I think we're, we will talk about this with, with your mock drafts uh, here in a second, you then on the back end of the defense Certainly. and then with the Ngakwe, like you said, cannonball versus um, can opener, you have to do something on the defensive end as well. Right. And, Chris, you could probably do this for any team in the league, but as you said that, just dialed up the schedule for next year and just off the top of my head right here. These are some of the wideouts. Yep, I'm looking at it too. <laughs> I mean, Justin <laughs> Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, Devontae Smith, Terry McLaurin, C.D. Lamb, Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy, Adam Thielen. I mean, Deontay Je- er, Johnson. I mean, you can go on and on. And again, you can do that for any team right. with how the NFL is wired unless you play the Colts like, 16 games out of the year and then you're probably like oh wow man can we get them on the schedule more <laughs> and not to mention the way tight ends play now certainly and the way we have scat backs and right. i mean that's why we have Hines. so yeah it's puts a lot of stress on that position again i still look at it in this defense when you're not going to blitz a ton and you're not going to play a bunch of press and we'll see maybe that'll change but to me the rush means more so i look at ngakwe as a bigger splash given age, and I get Ngakwe's a free agent, and that's kind of a sneaky position, I think, to watch here in the draft. Um, But kick the tires on former first-round picks. Having said that, I I can't sit here and say, like, build number one defense in the NFL right here, right now, just because you got to acknowledge health and age as well. So, um, yeah. Stephon Gilmore, a Colt, I would assume. Maybe we'll get a Twitter question. I assume this kind of limits any sort of notable activity the rest of the offseason. They, they probably still could do something, yeah. 11-ish million, I want to say. But typically, uh, the Colts like to sit on that. All right. Like we mentioned, we are less than a week away from the NFL draft, one of the greatest days in especially our podcast that we like to touch on, unfortunately, as of right now, and things could change. We do not have a first-round pick, but that does not mean we will not be watching and paying attention. We have a second, a third, a fourth, two-fifths, a sixth, and a seventh, so still seven picks. Let's go to your positional mock draft that you can find on 1075thefan.com. Let's run through what you're thinking right now. Round two, you're saying wide receiver. Yeah, and I guess let's start here, Chris. I'm going to take quarterback off the board for this exercise. Um, Now, I don't think it should be off the board. Which did shock me. As I've said, I don't think it should be off the board. Um, but when I'll go positional mock draft here, and this probably appeases, I don't know, I feel like I'm in the minority a little bit in wanting quarterback to still be on the board. 
Um, but I think this appeases most people in that it's more of a win now focus with this mock draft, um, which I get. I, I understand where people are coming from with that thought. Now, before I get into it, it should be noted Malik Willis, top 30 visit. Sam Howell, top 30 visit. You know, Albert Breer reported late last week a uh, drive down I 74, not to watch the worst baseball team in major leagues, but <laughs> to watch Desmond Ritter throw the football around. Now, Alec Pierce, I think, is a wide out that would look pretty good as well, but um, the Colts are doing some very heavy due diligence into this quarterback draft class. I don't, I mean, how much smoke can you really create when you're 42 overall? So, I, right. you know, and it, you know, at some point it's kind of a, re, a wasted resource if you aren't doing it to actually um, potentially do something. So um, I, I do want to note that. Um, we can probably get into it a little bit more maybe next week, but you know, Sam Howell and, and Matt Corral would probably be quarterbacks that I'm kind of intrigued by a little bit. You know, Ritter, the thing with him is, and I don't want to rip him too much for, but man, you know, when when Cincinnati had to step up in competition, I, I I saw a little bit of suspect QB play. Um, Cincinnati won some of those games, but you know you can make the argument Indiana they almost won in spite of him at times, and that was one of their bigger games of the year. I I can't get out of the miss of Alec Pierce over the middle in the national semifinal game just because I wanted to see an entertaining game more than anything, mm-hmm. or at least an entertaining quarter or half, and right. we not get that. Um, and Ritter also was a four-year guy. You know how finished of a product is he? Um, I think that's something you got to acknowledge versus some of the other guys. But anyways, having said all of that, first position I am going with, like you said, wide out. Um, ideally, you'd find instant impact. You'd find game-breaking speed. Uh, to me, that would complement Michael Pittman the best, and I think give Matt Ryan an ability to for some yards after catch, and just you know kind of give you what you were hoping for with Paris Campbell. Um, so to me, um, I understand people that would look at draft depth and say, well, tight end, left tackle, there's there's more of a scarcity in those positions. I get that. I can acknowledge that. But for me, Chris, I'm going to go with wide out here as the top pick. So that would be round two, 42 overall. Yeah, and it was good this week also seeing the Colts' Twitter account. And obviously they've done such a great job with their social media kind of giving us a peek behind the curtain seeing Matt Ryan with Paris Campbell so so that was nice I mean obviously it was just a couple catches that that they showed but nice to see those guys in the lab together for lack of better yep. words yeah I saw a strong Patman working out I know people have asked about Michael Pittman a little bit banged up um you know I know there's some questions like Darius Leonard Naeem Hines I asked Frank today you know where are you guys at with 100 percent attendance and he's like yeah we're not there I mean we hope to get there in the next week or so um, again, this is voluntary, so I'm not, um, you know, overacting any of that. And honestly, it's probably good for those other guys <laughs> to get right, a whole lot of rest. Right. Yeah, and you point. and and you just mentioned in your uh, in your your breakdown of wide receiver that obviously people will want left tackle and tight end, and those are the two positions that you have coming in round three and round four. First, starting with left tackle, and then round four with tight end. And I would push back against people that would look at left tackle and say this is not win now. You know, I did an exercise a few years ago, Chris, where I looked at it was the year after San Francisco and Kansas City made the Super Bowl. Did that exercise and how many starts came from backup offensive linemen that year. I want to say Kansas City had like 18 starts. San Francisco had, I think it was 16. So basically, you're getting a full season worth of starts out of your backup offensive linemen. Hell, I'd be willing to bet the Colts had that last season. I mean, Colts are one of the more banged up 
offensive lines or just a lot of different shuffling probably exactly. is the better way to put it. Um, so you could look at this guy, and if healthy, he might be your sixth offensive lineman, but there's a darn good chance that ain't going to last. So um, can you find kind of a plug-and-play that, I don't know, maybe he can play a little bit of guard in a pinch, um, could help you out at tackle, and you could develop into more of a long-term option out there. So um, depth is a concern. And again, I know this probably has a little bit more of a long-term view of it, but when you're having more of a statue at quarterback, I think that you definitely need to pay a lot of attention to left tackle and draft and develop at such a key, important position of need. Absolutely. Round five, you go to cornerback. We've already talked a little bit about how that depth needs to... Oh, I go tight end four, right? Oh, yeah, sorry, tight end. So, sorry, yeah. Yeah, tight, yeah. Tight end, well, tight end four. Yeah, tight end four. Um, you know, Jack Doyle is in retirement, Chris. This is going to be, and I'll give out my, my mock draft next week, plug players into these. Um, I think it can go a couple ways here. You know, I want to side more towards a receiving threat at tight end. I know that Kylan Granson, you know, probably a, a, achieves a lot of that. Um or at least you hope he achieves a lot of that. But, man, Jack Doyle just gave you a reliable consistency professionalism that it's hard to overlook that. So um, I'm really interested to see what happens here at tight end. It would be a fourth-round pick for a second straight year at the position. But, again, I think Doyle um, gave you a whole lot of just reliability that you shouldn't take for granted. I know he wasn't the flashiest guy in the world. There was a ceiling there and all of that. Uh, but I'm going to go tight end here in round four. Yeah, and Doyle, like you said, he knew his time was coming to an end, and he he contemplated coming back. But he was he was the captain of the offense, in my opinion. I mean, I know Carson Wentz, will, the quarterback, typically is. Yeah. But when your tight end is looking at the receivers, and he's like, "Hey, if you don't know where to line up, <laughs> right. you look at me. I'll tell you." And also being able to block in the NFL, especially if that offensive line is banged up and you are shuffling. Just being Very that points. kind of player is is so monumental. Very good points. And I think those are hard things to, you know, fully understand. It, it was almost like, boy, you didn't know how great the person was until their funeral. It was like Jack Doyle leaving. It took that to really – I think we understood it, but then you saw how many people reached out and talked about Zach Pascal's quotes about, you know, just look at me and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you what to do and all that. Again, you don't want to take that – for granted at all so uh, wide receiver left tackle tight end it's probably pretty interchangeable i i can hear people out on on different orders with that but that's the order that i'm that i'm going with a lot of things the colts have hit on in the last couple of years fortunately for us have been later round picks we have two fifths that's a cornerback and a wide receiver never know if those those guys later are mainly going to be special teams players but i want to hear your your thoughts on the cornerback and the wide receiver in round five yeah, and certainly special teams is probably going to be that initial impact at that spot. But, um, again, I think corner remains a big, big need. I think it's something that um, Stephon Gilmore at 32 years old and given the injury history, I mean, you, you can't even think that, like, yes, it's a two-year deal, but you're playing three corners a whole lot. And while Isaiah Rogers is someone you like and Brandon Faison – Clearly, Gus Bradley has an affinity for like he's never been a full time starter. So, um, I I think you got to go corner. It wouldn't shock me if you went corner a little bit earlier, honestly, than than this. But uh, I'll go round five here. 
probably the longer outside corner is is the type that I would look for. You know, Isaiah Rogers can be a nickel slot if Kenny Moore were to get banged up. Correct. And like you said, there's a second, fifth round pick here for the Colts. I'm going to go wide out again. You know, I think it's important to give Reggie Wayne a little bit more clay. Um, Rosie loves her Play-Doh. One thing I've learned about <laughs> Does Play-Doh. Does she eat it? <laughs> well, we haven't gotten there yet, thankfully. Uh, one thing I've learned about Play-Doh, though, man, is get that stuff back in the tube or else it's going to get big time. Uh, it's going to look like I just fired my little, uh, is it a kiln? A kin? Yeah, kiln. 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 Yeah. yeah. Kiln. Kin is your family. Kiln um, that you fired up back in ceramics class back at... <laughs> Uh, I think I took it at Clay Junior High and Cathedral, but um, it gets hard real fast, and it isn't very fun to play with. So um, you need to make sure that you (laughs) give proper uh, Play-Doh for Reggie Wayne to bring it full circle here. And I think if you can identify a a day three pass catcher, you look into it, and you go there. I know Reese Fountain and Deion Kane, and there's you know been guys that haven't worked out, and we'll see about Desmond Patman and Mike Strom, but you keep on trying. If you go heavy speed and a little shorter with that first pick, you know maybe more of a possession guy with this second wide out if you're kind of looking for different skill sets for uh, Reggie. Round six, you're going with a position that I feel like is one of the most athletic positions on the field and always have always great to have depth with especially because some of these guys come up and make very impactful hits in that safety. Yeah, and I'm kind of thinking George Odom 2.0 here. Right. Just basically another Odom. Uh, Rodney McLeod, again, was a free agent signing that brings over 120 starts to Indy, but he's also going to turn 32 here coming up, and um, you just don't have a lot of proven depth here, so that's where I look at safety. Um, Special teams you brought up earlier, Chris, heavy there. Um, you know, Julian Blackman and, and Kari Willis, to varying degrees, have dealt with injuries. Unfortunately, Blackman much more serious. Willis, I think, just kind of more nicks and bruises. Right. Uh, but I, I think it'd be wise. I know last year you took Sean Davis, a fifth rounder out of Florida. He was a bust. You cut him. He's down in Green Bay. Um, I think it's important to try and tap back into it and just give some depth. And, you know, you also lost some spe- some special teamers this offseason. Matt Adams, George Odom, um, uh, Andrew Sandejo, I think, played a little special teams for you as well. So that's where I go safety. Round seven, and these are always the fun. Th- this is one of my favorite days of the draft is round three because or day three because yeah. you, you like to see, like you just said, depth is the main word. Round seven, you're going offensive guard. It's never, never too bad to have as many offensive linemen as you can. You know, and I'm having a little bit of regret over this, to be honest with you, okay. Chris. Um, I kind of think I should go defensive end. Um, when you look at defensive end and you look at the Colts right now, you've got Quiddy Pay and you've got Yannick Ngakwe. Behind them, I'd put Tyquan Lewis and Ben Banigou. Ben Banigou should be lucky to still be on the football team, and Tyquan Lewis, unfortunately, has been incredibly um, injured yeah. in his career. And he's coming off a really serious knee injury. So defensive end is kind of a sneaky position that I'm like, first off, I wouldn't be opposed, really, if if I were a, a coverer or a fan of any team in the league. You take a defensive end, I'm probably not going to lose too much sleep over it because that position, position means so much and so difficult to find him. Uh, but having said that, like, you know, if Ngakwe really, you know, continues to bounce around teams and for some reason he just doesn't go well here and now he's a free agent, he's leaving, Lewis continues to have injuries, Banigou officially looks like a bust, 
damn. This time next year, it's Quiddy Pay and who? So, I, I don't know. I, I put offensive guard on here, but again, I'm starting to think to myself, should I have gone to Vince Van? I put offensive guard on here. It's just like, what's your depth? You know, Will Fry is a seventh-round pick last year. Um, you know, maybe that is the guy there. But, um, again, I think when you look at it, boy, defensive end would would make a lot of sense yeah. here. Uh, a couple other positions I thought about. Mm-hmm. I think just kind of a traditional running back. And by traditional, I mean early down running back is probably where I would look. Um, undrafted free agent makes sense, of course. Uh, but that is something that I, I would look towards. Um, and call me crazy, but I probably wouldn't do it. But if there's a kicker, I would I would draft a kicker. You know, if you could create a weapon. Um, I know Cincinnati drafted, what, Evan McPherson in the fifth round? Yes. That, that's, that's high. I'm not going there. But, you know. Name the Colts' seventh-round picks in the Chris Ballard era. I mean, sure, Zaire Franklin, but, like, you know, Jackson Barton, Javon Patterson. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'm forgetting, you know, Will Fries last year. Like, a lot of these are just kind of throwaway picks anyways. Chris, you know parody in the NFL. I mean, you're one field goal difference away from (laughs) winning a game, winning – Getting into the playoffs, certainly. I mean, if Cincinnati does that McPherson, they could maybe lose in the first round. So um, that's probably a route that I'd be looking into maybe more than others. But I get it. Some people hate kickers, so they they think that's stupid. But uh, um, They hate them when they don't make, but when they make them. Boy, ain't, <laughs> ain't that the truth. Ain't that the truth. Well, that was Kevin's positional mock draft. Like he said, you can go to 1075thefan.com to look at that. He will have updated coverage as we approach the draft. And do you want to get into this interview that you did with The Athletic? A lot of things that you just mentioned, and I think people will hear this in the interview, that might be why you kind of shift your guard to defensive end because, as Dane will say, as you hear here in a moment, Defensive end's a pretty deep class this year. So. Yes, and thank you for that. Um, this is Dane Brugler, again, NFL draft analyst from The Athletic. We did this last week, um, we last Friday. Uh, our morning show, Jake Quarry and myself, recorded this. So uh, hope you enjoy Dane Brugler here on Kevin's Corner. Really looking forward to this conversation. For the Colts, the NFL draft, we think as of now, two weeks from today, we'll see if they move up 10 spots outside of round one. Right now, one of my favorite reads all year long is The Beast, published by Dane Brugler over on The Athletic. It is a must-read for anybody really that wants to follow anything uh, along the NFL draft. And Dane joins us right now. Uh, Dane, if you don't mind, I just kind of want to start on an overview of the 2022 draft class. Uh, You know, kind of areas of depth, areas that it's lacking a little bit. Uh, When you look at this class as a whole, where do you see the strengths and weaknesses? Well, starting with the top, um, you know, this draft's just a little bit different than what we're used to in terms of the the talent in the top 10. Um, You know, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, the edge rusher out of Michigan, has a good chance to be the number one overall pick. He probably would not have been a top 10 pick in last year's draft. Hmm. And that speaks to the quarterbacks that we have this year. That speaks to the lack of high-end talent. Um, in the top 10, but I don't want to make it sound like this is a, a weak draft because it's not. I think the, the overall depth, especially at certain positions, is, is very strong throughout the first round into day two and then even into day three. 
uh, pass rusher is the strongest position that we have this year. Um, and then that next tier wide receiver, corner, linebacker, tackle. So, you know, it's in terms of overall depth, there's going to be a lot of future starters that come out of this group. But relatively speaking, not the best year uh, to be picking top 10, especially if you need that quarterback. Interesting. Okay, so if you are the Colts, Dane, and you're sitting at 42, and let's say you don't move in, you know, you sit right where you are. In terms of their areas of need, and Kevin and I have talked about it, left tackle, receiver, tight end, let's say corner, so those four. Mm-hmm. The area that offer that that they need to go ahead and jump on at 42 because the quality then deteriorates at that position moving further back would be which? I, really, you could probably make a case for uh, wide receiver or tackle. Um, you know, I just put together a seven-round mock draft on – on the athletic uh, went up yesterday and it's a, you know, it's a interesting exercise just to look at, to see the runs on positions and uh, you know, what's left and what, you know, where, okay, this team really needs to tackle, but you know, I just, there aren't any left at this point. And so, um, you know, you look at where, where the Colts are picking. So, you know, towards the early part of, of round two, and maybe there's a tackle or two that could be there. Uh, you're talking about Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan, Tyler Smith, Tulsa. Um, you know, we don't know what grades the Colts have on these players, but those would be uh, realistic options in round two. If they're both those guys are off the board, all of a sudden all your options, they drop off pretty quickly. Uh, you know, Abraham Lucas out of Washington State's a really good player, but he's probably more of a right tackle. I don't know that you're thinking about moving him to the left side. Um, you know, I don't, do you think Darian Kennard can play uh, left tackle out of Kentucky? I, I don't think so. Um, so I think left tackle definitely would fall into that category. And then, and then wide receiver. We're going to see a lot of wide receivers fly off the board. Uh, we, we could see as many as five or six go in the first round. We could see as seven or eight. It's definitely possible as teams look to get younger and cheaper at a position that helps put points on the board. And so we're going to see a lot of receivers fly off the board in the first 32 picks. That'll continue into the early second round. And I actually, in my seven-round mock, I have them going with Sky Moore out of Western Michigan with that first pick in uh, with their first pick in the second round. And that's if Sky Moore makes it to them at that point. So wide receiver could be pretty wiped out in a top 40 picks. We'll have to see how it plays out. He's Dane Brugler. Uh, he's with The Athletic, and I do want to get uh, Dane to kind of explain what what the beast is all about here in just a few minutes because, um, again, I think it's a must-read for anyone wanting to follow along with the NFL draft. But let's stick there with the wideouts. Sky Moore, you mentioned, um, maybe not the biggest wideout, but his speed is very impressive. Um, I know you've mentioned kind of he's got strong hands as well. Any other wideouts in that range you think fit kind of the Colts profile? When I think of the Colts and wideouts, I think of very enamored with traits, testing numbers. I think speed to complement Michael Pittman would be the area of focus there. So uh, along with Sky Moore, any other names? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. And I think ideally they want size there. But with a guy like Sky Moore, who is just under 5'10", 195, um, watching him at Western Michigan, a lot of quick game in that offense. And so a lot of slants and his reflexes to make these quick snares of the football, quickly put it away and then make something happen after the catch. I think he'd just be the perfect complement uh, to Michael Pittman. Uh, Whether you play him in the slot, whether you can play outside, uh, I, I just I really like that fit. Uh, but if they do go with more of a size, speed type of athlete, 
Uh, Christian Watson from North Dakota State obviously is going to be sitting there blinking red lights because 6'4", 210, ran a 4.36 at the Combine. Uh, his other testing numbers were just off the charts. Um, and now, I do think there's a little bit of a – of a buyer beware with Christian Watson. Uh, you know, his routes are pretty rough. I mean, they're, they're very raw. Uh, his hands are okay, but uh, way too many drops on film. And for a guy that is playing at the FCS level, you just wish you saw him dominate. Uh, you know, he's a big receiver that plays small and that that's just not ideal uh, when, when you're talking about uh, when you're trying to draft traits, but he doesn't always live up to those traits. And so Christian Watson, he could go in the first round because of those traits um, but if he does fall to the second round, he could at least be in that conversation. Then throw George Pickens in there as well out of Georgia, 6'3", 195, ran in the 4'4s four uh, at the Combine. Really like his finishing skills, um, his ball tracking ability, the competitiveness that he plays with. Not going to give you a ton after the catch. Uh, and he's coming off an ACL injury uh, a, a year ago at this time. So a little bit of a discount sticker on him, but could end up being a steal uh, somewhere in that mid-second round. Dane Brugler is our guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He is with The Athletic talking about the NFL draft. Uh, Dane, one guy that a year ago you talked about how, you know, the, the draft is a fluid thing from one year to the next. Seemingly a guy a year ago who would have had higher stock than he does right now, but I'm curious your assessment of him is out of Indiana, Ty Freifogel, the wide receiver who kind of fell off a cliff, to be honest with you. What is the assessment of him now that he's gone through, you know, the workouts and those things? Yeah, and, and you know he's. It was unfortunate because he had such a such a productive year. Only eight games uh, in twenty twenty. Uh, you know, he's an All American. He's the Big Ten Receiver of the Year. Uh, comes back for that fifth year, uh, that you know, that extra year, but because of COVID. And in twelve games, uh, you know, I, I always look at touchdown to drop ratios for receivers and tight ends. Uh, Freifogel uh, for his as in twenty twenty, it was seven to two touchdown to drop pretty good this past year won the eight not what you're looking for and you know for a guy that's 6'1 205 uh you know four or five speed so does, not a blazer it's not that's not really the strength of his game he had good jumps uh when in the vert and the broad in the broad jump but uh, you know when you put together the lackluster tape as a senior um you know okay uh, testing numbers but nothing that's going to blow you away uh, he's, you know, right there on the cusp of a borderline draft pick. You know, I think you like his routes. You you like, uh, you know, his ability to always be available uh, it, it, with downfield at different levels of the field. But it just everything else screams average. And you know, in a within the NFL where wide receiver is so competitive with all these athletes, uh, it, it could end up squeezing uh, him out of the draft. Dane, while we're on the state school front, again, Dane Brugler from The Athletic is with us. The other two names that I'd love to throw at you, David Bell, George Karloftis. You see Karloftis going on day one, and then how much has the testing hurt David Bell's draft stock? You know, honestly, and then I start with David Bell, I don't think it's hurt him all that much because it was expected. You know, I took a lot of heat from Purdue fans. Um, you know, going back to the summer when I released my, you know, way too early top 50 board. And, you know, I heard from Purdue fans saying, oh, where's David Bell? And honestly, he was never even a consideration uh, for me in that top 50 because, you know, he just he's a really good receiver, but he's just he's not an explosive guy. And that that's something that shows on tape. And it's something that, uh, you know, is, is going to keep him out from being a, a top 50 player. But, you know, like talking to a scout that was at his pro day, uh, you know, he he ran in the four sevens at his pro day, which is obviously not great. 
But he also, the scout also said that his positional work, the skill drills, uh, you know, the routes and catching the football, he looked outstanding. And, and so that's why I still think David Bell is going to be somewhere in that uh, 75 to 100 range, you know, still go on day two. I still think there's a good chance of that because he knows how to play the position. Uh, you know, he, it, it, not just his routes, but his ability downfield to leverage coverage, uh, to work to space so he can give his quarterback uh, a clean window. Uh, he understands certain details of the position that are really going to help him. And, you know, he's strong at the catch point. So, uh, you know, that's something that I think will really help him uh, throughout this process. And why I don't really think he's going to follow that all that too, all that much. Karloftis is there are a lot of different opinions on him around the league. I, I know some general managers believe he's a second round pick. Uh, but I just think when it's all said and done, too many uh, teams need pass rush. Uh, there's so much to like about uh, Carl Loftus. You wish he was a little bit longer. You wish he had a little more twitch with his movements. But the motor doesn't quit. Very skilled with his hands. Uh, and then just his ability to, to, to burst out of a stance, pounce and go. Uh, even if it's a little bit in a straight line, a little, a little stiff around the edge, uh, he can do that. So, I mean, it, there's a reason Carl Loftus did not, opted not to do the three cone at the combine or his pro day because uh, you know, we knew it wasn't going to be a good number. That's not change of directions, not really uh, his strength of how he rushes. He's more of a straight line guy, linear athlete. But you can still, you know, win that way as a pass rusher. He can still disrupt the quarterback. So Karloftis, I think, somewhere in the back half of round one is going to be pretty good value for uh, a team looking to upgrade their pass rush. Dane, if you're drafting, let's say you're drafting 60th, you personally, would you rather have a 6'4 wide receiver that's 205 pounds, runs a 4'440", but runs kind of sloppy routes like you were talking about, or you know what I mean, doesn't isn't as precise, very raw. Or would you rather have a guy like David Bell, whose numbers are not fabulous, but runs really precise routes and is crafty? This is going to sound like a cop out, but it, it all depends on this what my team looks like. You know, if I if I'm in a situation where I can wait, you know afford to wait and develop a guy. Uh, you know, where I'm not expected, expecting him to come in and be a starter right away. And, you know, then I, I would take the guy with the traits because that's the NFL team. They draft traits, not production. And if I'm in a situation where I can do that, I'm always going to lean towards the athletic traits and think, you know, and as long as I think the you know issues are fixable and coachable and, and, and the player is coachable, I will lean that way. But if I'm in a situation where, you know what, I need to win now, I need someone that's able to contribute pretty quickly, then maybe I would skew towards the guy that, you know, has the, the season routes, who, uh, you know, knows what he's doing, can develop that chemistry very early in his NFL career. So I think it really all depends on the state of your roster, what the trajectory is, uh, it, all those things factor in. Dane, I do want to ask about quarterbacks. We've seen Malik Willis, Sam Howell uh, visit the Colts here in top 30 visits. If I'm not mistaken, I think you had Howell mocked them at one point at 42 overall. Let's say they stay in that range. You know, Maybe they trade up a little bit, but for the most part, they're, they, they keep that early second-round pick. Um, the quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, whoever you want to talk about, uh, around that pick range that you think would make sense to learn under Matt Ryan? Yeah, and th th it'll be really interesting to see when that run of quarterbacks starts uh, in the first round. Uh, you know, we think these guys are going to go early. Uh, they always do. It's just when when does that run start? Uh, and what's the order of these guys when they come off the board? You know, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, uh, Desmond Ritter. I think there's a good chance 
that we're going to see at least two quarterbacks in the top 20 and then possibly even three. And then which quarterbacks make it to the second round? Matt Corral, does he make it to the second round? Sam Howell, um, you know, does he make it? I, I think there's a good chance both do. And if, if the Colts have a high grade on one of these players and they make it to 42, uh, it, it'd be hard to pass. And, you know, both these guys, there's, there's things to like. Matt Corral is so quick with everything that he does. His feet, his eyes, his release, it's very, you know, it's a rapid release. Ball is up and gone quickly. Um, and he's got fairly, uh, you know, good accuracy in the intermediate part of the field, deep part of the field. Biggest thing with him is just uh, that post-snap decision-making. Uh, you know, everything was really predetermined in that offense, very defined. And so just making that adjustment to the NFL game, that and then just making sure you're 100% comfortable with the off-field, um, you know, his decision-making away from the field. That, that's something that, uh, you know, teams need to be comfortable with. And then with Sam Howell, you know, it's easy to make the Baker Mayfield comparisons because their uh, body types are similar, very compact. Um, he's got a power arm. Uh, Sam Howell, uh, stronger than Baker's, uh, the best deep ball thrower in this year's draft. Um, and he's, he's got athleticism. I mean, if you take out the, the lost yards for, from sacks last year, uh, he had seven 100-yard rushing games, uh, which is not what you expected. But that's just what the offense asked of him. So Sam Howell has things to work with. Uh, I think it's fair to question his feeling in terms of you know what, what he, where he can take you. Uh, can he lead you to the Super Bowl? That, that's a hard sell uh, to make you believe that. But there's at least talent that would make you uh, consider him in the second round. Deepest position in the 2022 NFL draft is where? Edge rusher, no question. I think every every point in the draft, first round, second round, third round, there's going to be at least someone that gives you some optimism that he can come in. Uh, you, you add him to your rotation, and he's going to help you make plays. So edge rusher, we're going to see these guys fly off the board in the first round, and it's not going to slow down. Second round, third round, into day three, uh, a lot of pass rushers are going to be drafted. I think I had like – 18 or 19 uh, in my top 100, by far the most represented position uh, in, in my top 100 this year. Man, and talk about a coveted position in today's NFL, yeah, certainly real. as well. Dane, outstanding, outstanding. For those that don't know, uh, give us a little glimpse into what goes into the beast and what is the beast. Uh, it's, 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 in my opinion, the most comprehensive NFL draft guide out there. Uh, it's a year in the making. I work all year round on it. Um, and there's testing data uh, for 1,700 players in there. And I don't think there's any other guy that has anything close to that. Uh, 400 scouting reports, a lot of extensive background information. So if you're interested in the NFL draft at all, uh, 0% chance that you would be disappointed by what you find in this thing. And all you need is an athletic subscription, and it's, it's included. So even if you want the athletic for – you want to try it for a month, you're going to get the guide. Uh, you can download it uh, you know, right to your computer, your, your tablet, uh, straight from there. So hopefully people go check it out. 288 pages. Jake, how long did you say your paper was yesterday? Seven pages, buddy. Seven pages. Yep. You want to test Dane there? 288. Well, I don't see him writing about the Shining and the Omen. <laughs> Instead of British horror films, Dane, I think, is right. doing what he loves. Uh, Dane, I, I know it's a crazy time for you, and it's probably a tad bit relaxing maybe the closer you get to the draft but not too much with you know kind of some late rumors floating in so thank you for making time for us on this friday morning yeah, anytime thanks gentlemen and that was dane brugler right there from the athletic i uh, hope you guys enjoyed that um, always i just think he brings a great temperament chris i, I really enjoy that i've read his beast uh -huh. several times it's a terrific read um, comes in handy honestly it, if you love the nfl draft just subscribe to the athletic just for that frankly 
Um, so I appreciate Dane's time. Yeah, how about those number of pages? <laughs> oh my gosh, man! Yeah, Can you imagine think about like the papers that you wrote in college, and then holy granted, cow! Say the topic material is a little bit different. Um, so yeah, that was Dane Brugler, and let's get into Twitter questions. All right, first one's going to come from Johnny, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, and is is going around Twitter right now. The big news in the NFL is Debo Samuel's. Johnny wants to know if you're the Colts, do you go after Debo? Is it uh, for real? That's his question. Is it just for the money, or are you, is he really done with San Francisco? Red flag for Chris Ballard at all? And what package would you say he's worth? Boy, um, <laughs> let me start here. I love Debo Samuel. Love him. I think he's mo- I think he's one of the most unique players I've seen in the NFL in in quite some time. Um, Pretty sure he like has led the league in yards after catch or I don't know yards after contact. Certainly, you could probably point that as well. But probably yards after catch in recent years. But yeah, he does it without being like this four three two forty yard dash guy, like a Tyree Kill or something like that. His ability to just kind of make people miss, not go down on first contact—it's so rare. Um, so I love Debo Samuel. Love watching him play. I'm thinking if I'm turning the keys over to Trey Lance, I'd like to give Trey Lance Debo Samuel and George Kittle. So. Right. If I'm San Francisco, I don't know how much I'm listening to this, and we'll see how all of that plays out. I just got an email about the uh, odds for Debo Samuel. You, you brought this up earlier. Uh, Colts plus 450, oh, wow. favorite. So we moved up, okay. Chiefs, Jets, and Saints all plus 500. Packers at plus 600, and the Eagles at plus 800. Obviously, the Colts a slight favorite because those odds are you know pretty much – the same mm-hmm. as Indianapolis, at least Chiefs, Jets, and Saints. Um, you know, the whole, like, usage, does he not like being as much much of a running back? You know, all that. First off, I would love how Kyle Shanahan is utilizing me. Now, I get it. There's some wear and tear on his body he probably doesn't love. But if he wants 20-some million. Right. Debo, I'm using you a whole lot, man. So, there's got to be a little bit of give and take there. Now, obviously, what would it take to get him? I would assume something similar to what we saw with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. That means a first-round pick. Is San Francisco content with not getting a first-round pick this year? You know, San Francisco, I don't believe, picks until uh, late second this year because they gave up their first for Trey Lance in trading up to get him third overall last year. So... This comes back to kind of the age-old question we've had with the Colts and whether it was Devontae Adams or Russell Wilson or potentially Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, whatever. The Carson Wentz trade of him was such a massive failure in that you sit here and these types of entertaining moves to some teams are just non-starters because you don't have that first-round pick you can offer. Right now the Colts could have three picks in the first two rounds next year if Wentz you know, meets the right. parameters in Washington, um, are you willing to give up two of those for Debo? That's, I mean, that's going to be the... You know, that's the internal debate, Chris. That's, and I, then, exactly. And also, like you said earlier, just because you request a trade doesn't mean you're being traded. <laughs> you can request whatever you want. Yeah, San Francisco is going to want a king's ransom. Right. For, if they are going to do that. Um, you know, part of me thinks, again, I would love Debo Samuel on this football team. And 
given up two, uh, two of those three picks, you would still have something, you know, in the first 60 selections next year. But, man, two things popping in my head. What about quarterback? We continue to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, is Debo Samuel, Samuel made of steel? How long can he keep this up? Because he does get a whole lot of touches, and he does play a very physical brand of football. Uh, that would worry me. So um, I, I tend to think that this would not happen, given those things. Um, you know, Chris Ballard and paying that much money for kind of wide receiver running back, I would say no. Um, yeah, you would think the Jets, right? I would think so. I mean, if I don't know, maybe they they really wanted. I mean, Tyree Kill and Debo Samuel, to be fair, are very different players. So maybe they thought Tyree Kill really fit Zach Wilson and his arm and all of that. Um, and again, how much smoke is this? To your earlier point of like, is this really going to happen? Um, and I don't know how much. Uh, say you're an Aaron Rodgers. Say it. Say it comes down to a quarter a quarterback. When someone says they want to request a trade, like I said, you can re- you can request whatever you want. How many guys are hitting up their GM this morning saying, uh, are we kicking the tires on this? Yeah. Are you looking into this? I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you just lost Devontae Adams and it's like, you guys never draft me a first-round wide receiver anyway, you guys better be looking into this. Now, of course, does San Francisco want to move him within the NFC? You know, yeah. and, and those things. You know, there's no trade clause right. with Debo. So, you know, that's another thing that you have to look for as well. Um so, yeah, we'll see how everything plays out. Um, again, an unbelievable talent. I just don't see it unfolding. Kevin, this next question, as we sit here in Indianapolis at 344, and it's probably about 60 degrees outside, if that. This one's coming from one of the places that you would probably love to play golf. I don't know if you ever have or Ooh. not, from Hawaii. Oh, uh, my wife and I, we did nine holes on our honeymoon there. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, great time out there. Hawaii, I love it. Yeah, so this one comes from Mario. The Colts' top two wide receivers that are on the roster currently had 140, have 146 career catches. That's the least amount of any NFL starting duo, and Cooper Cup alone last year, or Cooper Cup alone had 145, which, I mean, he's just a stud. This deep class of wide receivers and trading next year's first and second for Debo Samuel or DK Metcalf to Mario seems appealing. What are your thoughts? Well, I think this is a Dan Orlovsky <laughs> worded tweet almost. I saw Orlovsky last night had something very similar to this. And, you know, I, it's kind of how the national media typically operates something at locally. We've been kind of banging home for about a month or two, especially when you're the Colts. Eventually mm-hmm. gets to Bristol and it has gotten to Dan Orlovsky and he fired this off last night. Um, you know, I I legitimately think the Colts have belief in the names that we mentioned a couple podcasts ago. And I don't know if it's all these names, but Kiki Kuti and DeMichael Harris and Desmond Patman and Mike Strawn and I guess Paris Campbell staying healthier. Like, I, I really think there is a belief that some one of these guys will emerge. Because, again, they've been saying this since the Combine. It's not like they were like, hey, let's see what happens in free agency. Let, let, let's pursue some guys. But if we don't, you know, get anything, then we'll, you know, kind of sit on it uh-huh. and wait till the draft. Well before free agency, <laughs> they were adamant that they thought one of these guys would emerge. Um, so, 
yeah, we'll we'll have to see how things play out in the draft. But you know, Chris, I also feel like you know, so many people are just like, oh, well, you know, the Colts are just going to draft one and everything's going to be fine. And again, my issue, and I got into this with JMV, our afternoon host, last week. I have quarterback still on the board, and he goes, you know, no, 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 you. you you can't do that. You have to go win now. You have to support Matt Ryan. I go, your opportunity to get proven players who therefore are able to help you more quickly than drafted players is in free agency or in prior drafts where mm-hmm. you know you are building to this and you hit on those picks. You can't assume that pick 42 and 73 are going to all of a sudden come in here and be like, ta-da, boom. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I looked at it the other day, Chris. I want to say there's like, basically, if you look at the last couple drafts mm-hmm. and the rookie impact of wideouts, basically the average rookie wideout drafted early, like where the Colts are, are drafting, gets you what Zach Pascal produced for you last year. And I think a lot of people were very disappointed with the season Zach Pascal had. Was that all Carson Wentz driven? You know, did you catch that Zach Pascal Carson Wentz clip? By the way, from a few days ago, I did not know. What? 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 Pascal was asked. He was at Old Dominion spring game about you know nothing like the TV reporter uh, starting <laughs> off with you, know, you and Carson had really good rapport last year. I'm like, what games were you watching? One, game one and two. That's about it. <laughs> I was like, shit, man. I don't. You you must have got a different feed of, of Colts games than, than I was getting. Um, to preface it with that, and then. Uh, Basically asked Pascal, you know, did you think about teaming up with Carson in Washington? I was, nah, absolutely not. I'm like, whoa, okay, boy. That Philly-Washington rivalry. Yeah, no, I'll play against him twice a year. We're yeah, good. Alive and well there. So, thank you, Mario, and uh, greetings. Aloha. Beautiful. To you. Kevin, this one's from Jason. What Colts free agents do you see most likely to return and extra points for chaos if you choose Bagley? Badgley. I always say, I don't know why I always mispronounce his name, and I apologize. So who's still left? You got Hilton, Badgley, like you said, Eric Fisher, uh, a couple older corners, Xavier Rhodes, TJ Carey. Um, I think, again, you kind of see what happens in the draft at kicker, and I don't know, maybe the Colts looked at this and they're like, all right, we know Michael Badgley's not going to have a big market in free agency. Let's see how the draft plays out. Let's see how the undrafted kicker market plays out. And if we don't find anybody that we really like, we'll bring Badgley back. Mm-hmm. But if not, I just can't. I, To me, Hot Rod has not earned the right to not have any competition. I know there's another kicker on the roster, but I don't think he's ever kicked in the NFL before. Uh, so I would say Hilton is the most likely to return, and then Badgley would be a close second. And do you think we're done in free agency? Kodak wants to know, because he's been hearing some smoke about Dwayne Brown, who is the left tackle in Seattle. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I have not heard that, Kodak. And again, kind of going back to the Gilmore thing, I would probably have rather have seen that money utilized at like wideout or tight end. Or a combination of both, I guess. You could probably use a little bit of both there. Um, as far as, Again, you could probably make one more move, but I think they are done substantially. I don't see Jarvis Landry, you know, Dwayne Brown, that that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so yeah. This one's from Low End Theorist, Kevin. First off, hope you and your family had a great Easter weekend. Appreciate it. Same to you. Same to all of our listeners. While he believes Carson Wentz had to go, he also feels the narrative of his failures and stretch run were a little overblown, and thinks Chris Ballard realized that the defense needed work 
and he feels he's made significant moves this offseasons to address them, as we've talked about earlier. He watched the Raiders and Jags go up and down the field on this defense with relative ease. Do you believe this defense on paper is better than it has been in years? Well, I think on paper it it, it checks a lot of boxes. Um, I guess to your earlier point, though, I agree. I think it got. I think the Wentz thing got overblown. You know, I like the defense did not take the step um, necessary. Um, so I love kind of the critical eye, and I don't know. Maybe it took Gus Bradley. You know, I, I've mentioned this before. I think if Eberflus was here, I don't know if y- Yannick Ngakwe is here. Ngakwe is a free agent a couple off seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Eberflus, you know, well, you know, we need defensive ends to you know be able to stop the run. You know, early early downs. You know, I think you can find some pretty situational rushers and use them very effectively. Um, so I'm glad that they've taken a critical look, realizing that. Darius Leonard is a great gift and a great talent, but don't let that mask other warts defensively. So, um, on paper, this is, I think, a pretty good defense. I don't love the depth, but, you know, that at times can be a little bit too much. We'll we'll see how things play out. Now, Julian Blackman's coming off a torn Achilles. Gilmore's dealing with, you know, a couple lower body stuff or has dealt with some stuff, and does that become a little bit more nagging? Um, But still... I think um, I think there's a lot to like about it. This next one comes from a longtime listener and often uh, Twitter question asker, Gary. Um, first off, very humbled. He says that this is the best Colts podcast. Everything's a distant second, which appreciate that, Gary. Very nice of you to say. Thank we you. we like all the Colts reporters out there. Um, oh, don't go nice. We hate them all. We're all, we, yeah, screw <laughs> yeah, <we're> them. Gonna, <laughs> don't listen to their podcast. Look at our ratings. We'll tweet them out. He <laughs> no, says, okay, I you, feel <laughs> okay. I feel like the running back death still needs to be addressed. What do you think about that? You know, Chris, it's one of those things like if Jonathan Taylor went down, which he never has in his, college, or his football career, really, mm-hmm. um, then all of a sudden, <laughs> this would be very pressing. But you look at the running backs right now on the roster, I think it's just three. Taylor, Hines, and Deion Jackson. I know they're high on Deion Jackson, undrafted kid last year, saw a little bit of mop-up time in that game down in Houston. But that's uh, kind of what I mentioned a little bit earlier. You know, I think finding an undrafted runner, finding a runner, even in the seventh round, I, I don't think it's the craziest idea in the world. Just as insurance policy. You know, you saw Tennessee, they got into it last year where they're kind of in scramble mode and, Adrian Peterson, you know, here you go. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you've always been a proponent of that. Yeah. You know, I'm all for day three running backs, undrafted running backs. Keep the stable. Not, you know, I thought Jordan Wilkins was such a great insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So no longer here. So make another move. Kevin, this one comes from Brian. He says, if Gus Gus Bradley's name helps get free agent signing, what does that say about Frank Reich? No offensive free agents to speak of. What are no offensive free agents to speak of that are of any note yeah I, again i don't I, I don't get it i don't know how much it says about like right how people view reich around the league versus how people view gus bradley i think chris ballard realized all right we have a new defensive coordinator he wants to do things differently we need to make sure that you know we've got some personnel in here that can fit his system um go back to the ngakwin the ngakwe thing brandon face on clearly you're getting guys that have past history with them um, you know, to some degree, Reich and Ballard have believed on, I think there's a pretty collaborative effort in the building of the offensive side of the ball between those two. So 
Um, I think that has just kind of played into them believing in it and them sticking with it. Again, I don't agree with it. I think you need to support Matt Ryan a little bit more, but this is where we're at. Earlier in your mock, you did mention of the seven picks, five of them are going to be offensive. So I think that kind of answers Colton's question, but I'll let you speak on it a little bit more. He wants to know with the Stephon Gilmore addition and some of the other things on defense, is it safe to say that we are going to go draft heavy offensively? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of uh, belief and reasons for that. Again, I've pointed out a couple positions, corner, defensive end, that I still think should be of note in this draft. But having said that, um, you know, you go back to the Rocky scene draft, Chris, of, you know, Rock and Kari Willis and Bobby O'Karake and EJ Speed and um, I know I'm forgetting somebody. It was Banigou in that draft. For some reason, he, he's ringing a bell. You know, that was a heavy defensive draft. So um, is that a, a path that you take just on the reverse? Certainly, it would make a lot of sense there. Kevin, good day from Australia. Whoa, Chris Presley from Melbourne. We got Jay Sacco with a question. <laughs> I thought you were going to keep that going for the whole I mean, I'm, uh, Do you want me to do it? I can. I don't well, want to be offensive. To... No, not at all. I I, I think, uh, I mean, can America have a worse <laughs> reputation? Let's be honest here. Continue it from down under right there. From CP. down under. Looking forward to the big 2022 season for the Colts and hopefully your wish for the, uh, hopefully, Wishing your Irish and Marcus Freeman a good luck. I'm clapping the Irish before I'm clapping your your accent. You sound like Cameron Smith, the golfer. Question one. <laughs> Have there been an update on talks with T.Y. Hilton to potentially resign? <laughs> well, Jay Sacco. Well, I, I gotta, you said Jay Sacco? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we've talked a little bit about Hilton. I want to get to question two because I want to hear more of the accent. Would you rather scenario A, the Colts trade up to the end of the first round to get Matt Corral or Desmond Ritter? Scenario B, given now that the we're signed Gilmore and the other offseason moves in Gawkway, Matt Ryan, Rodney McLeod, would we rather instead use both of our second and third round picks for a wide receiver to help support Matt Ryan? Look at that. Chris Presley right there. Gosh, we are a global podcast. That's beautiful. You said Sydney, Australia? Yes. For Jay Sacco? Yes. Beautiful. Thank you so much for and that. And he also wanted to wish you a happy Easter as well. Well, happy Easter to all of our listeners and for those celebrating other things this past weekend as well. Um, thank you very much for uh, listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the family time. Okay, scenario would be the Colts trade up into the first and get Corral or Ritter. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is um, you'd go wide out, wide out. The first two? Correct. Um, Man, that's a good one. God, so much of it is like, what do you want on the plate? What do you want? Can you promise me Matt Ryan for two to three years? Can you promise me no drop-off? That's probably the other thing we need to start like acknowledging. It's less about, does Matt Ryan want to play two or three years? Can his body hold up for two or three years? Does he play at a level that's necessary for two to three more years? I probably side with a little bit of A, but man, scenario two is juicy. Yeah. It's juicy, and I know a lot of people sit here and say, hey, you worry about quarterback next year, you know? And I get it. I understand. Deeper class, you've got more draft capital, all those things. Of course, you know, you didn't cover your ass with Costanzo. Look where you're at right now. You didn't cover your ass with Rivers. Look where you're at right now. You want to make the mistake for a third time? That's my worry. 
But boy, Chase Hacker, that's that's terrific. Yeah, wide out, wide out. Okay. Sky Moore, David Bell. Love it. Alec Pierce and Yeah, that boy, that'd be uh that'd be interesting. All right, four more. This one is based off the needs for Ballard from a question from Patrick. Sense of the roster, and I don't know uh, necessarily where he got these odds from. If he's making them up, I'm sure he found them off of um, some site. Offensive line plus 200. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop, stop. So this is draft, like what the Colts would do with their first pick. Best bet for the Colts draft. So wait. he's giving you odds on who you think the first pick is going to be okay. for the Colts draft. Got it, got it. And the, these are positional odds. Yes. Okay. Offensive line plus 200. Wide receiver plus 300. Defensive line plus 350. Defensive back plus 400. Quarterback plus 700. Linebacker plus 1,000. And tight end plus 1,500. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boy, I like these. These are fun. Yeah. These get me excited. Yeah. These get me excited. I'm like Rosie. Peppa Pig just came on the TV. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm excited. Um, okay. Well, we know Ballard always likes the trenches. We mm-hmm. know that. So um, you got to keep an eye there. Wide receiver at plus 300 seems like some good value to sprinkle. You say quarterback plus 700? Yes. I mean, shit, how do you not throw a little bit there? It. What, what was tight end? Tight end plus 1,500. I mean, you got to throw at least like five to. bucks on it, right? I mean, you probably get the best tight end in the draft, right? A 42 overall. Yep. And that's the thing about tight end is as much as you can say dime a dozen, man, if you got a Waller, you got a Kittle, you know, you got a Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> you brought it up earlier, man. Um, okay. I would probably, I'd probably go wide out. I'd sprinkle tight end. I'd sprinkle quarterback. And just pray that Ballard doesn't go with his trenches. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. I know it's risky, but yeah. Kevin, Joe feels like the Colts should open the checkbook the same way that the Rams did, and he doesn't even understand if the salary cap is even real the way that they spend some money. How does the salary cap work? Boy, we would need about 10 hours of this. <laughs> Did you see the Colts got into this a little bit with the with the next pick series? Yes. Last week, they had Mike Bloom, their capologist, good dude. Such a great episode. I love I love seeing yeah. that dynamic. And, you know, Bloom's a Grigson guy. Okay. Held over from the Ballard uh, or with the regime change there. You can manipulate the cap. You can continue to put money off into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some teams want to carry over that money. Some teams want to be flexible. You know, and flexibility can work. The Colts have been in situations where – uh, they, they've had a flexibility that's allowed them to make some other moves. My thing is this, and this is what I kind of like. And I'll be honest, there are parts of the cap. And thankfully, I don't cover the NBA as deep and focused as I do the NFL. The NBA cap will stress you the hell out. The NFL cap already causes a few more gray hairs than I'd like. Where I've disagreed with the Colts in years past is the Colts have been very big on one-year deals. Very big on that. That allows you an opportunity, Chris, to sign players, and then, boom, that money's off your cap. Or right. sign a guy to a two-year deal, super front-load it, and then kind of wash your hands of it, which yeah. is the motion that you were just making. I mean, that those are kind of some moves that I'm like, man, this can help out your – I get you want a core and you want a continuity and, and, and you want a group that you can put on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium. I get all that. But supplementing that roster, I feel like there hasn't been as much of a use there that there has been. Uh, by some other teams around the league that have benefited from that. So, yeah, Joe, it, you know, cash versus cap, they got into that a lot. Um, the the accounting of it all. Um, 
I think how teams man- manipulate it is they continue to put off money and yep. absorb a whole lot of dead money, and that's how they operate with it. And to be honest, I think it makes sense to keep someone like that over from another regime because could you imagine walking in? Everyone, your first day at a new job is already difficult as yeah. it is. They to, know the books. To come in looking at the books, it's, I mean, they're talking about the uh, Washington Nationals, just to jump to baseball real quick. Juan Soto, who's one of the best players, probably top five in baseball, doesn't want to sign there because they want to pay him 350 which is great, but they want to back pay him. They're still paying Max Scherzer $17 million a year for the next, like, six years. It's, it's just and crazy. And cap and how owners it, spend. It is. A whole different angle. It is just so, ridiculous. So yeah. it didn't mean to muddy the waters there, but, no, yeah. No, no, no. And, and, again, like, explaining this stuff. Like, we had Joel Erickson, who I think does an outstanding job for the Indy Star. We had him on our show. He comes from the New Orleans beat, and they are the biggest manipulators of the cap. <laughs> And I was like, Joel, can you please explain it to us, how it happens? And, like, it was difficult for Joel. And Joel's a smart dude. And I think Joel does a good job of, which is so much of our job, of, like, yes, you know the 99.9 percentile of it all, but, you know, you got to dumb it down a little bit because you do have, especially on our morning radio show, we don't have the diehards like we do necessarily on this podcast. Sure. Hopefully we have some people that, that listen to both. But it's a little bit more of the common casual fan. Man, it's tough. Yeah, Joel got down with his answer. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, Joel. Like, <laughs> I'm more confused. Like, and we had kind of a one on one with with Bloom last year, and you know, some bonuses you can kind of play around with signing bonuses, move them out to certain years versus roster bonuses and all of that. So, um, I probably haven't answered the question at all. But if I ever find a way to be more basic about it, I'll be sure to <laughs> bring it to the pod, Joe. Two more. This one's from Jason. Colts were ranked very low on the snaps played by rookies last year, and they only were missing a third-round pick. What does this say to you? Um, I I don't I don't think it says too much. If I'm not mistaken, Chris, and we'll do this here in a few weeks, we'll do a podcast right after the draft of <coughs> projecting rookie playing time. Last year, there's no way we projected a lot of rookie playing time. Obviously, Quiddy Pay, right. certainly. Yes. Um, but Dio is coming off the torn Achilles. Sam Ellinger plays quarterback. And Kylan Granson was your third tight end. I mean, sure, you cut Sean Davis. and um, Yeah, I, I don't think it says too much to me. All right, we're going to stick there with the last question from the podcast with Alec grading the 2021 draft picks who, who played last season. He will let you determine how many draft snaps were enough to give a grade on a guy that played sparingly, like Mike Strawn and Will Fries. What, who did you grade best out of the draft picks from last year? You know, again, I got just a lot of incompletes. You know, a dangbo, how can you grade him? You know, Tony Achilles in eight eight games, like it's just, it'd be unfair to give anything. Sean Davis, you know, he's a butt, he's gone, he's not here, so that's an F. I guess that's an obvious grade. Quiddy, I'd probably give a. Uh, you know, he's probably like me in a lot of those Kelly school classes I took in college, just straddling the C plus, B minus. You know, let's just, you know, I, 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 I'm taking a sport com major. I need something of Kelly school on my on my resume before I leave here. <laughs> so let's get a marketing minor. Uh, so yeah, I'll go there, kind of hovering right around a B. Granson, probably a little lower. Not all his fault, but just impact. What do you have? Eleven catches. I'd go low C there. Ellinger, again, impossible to grade. Mike Strawn, 
I feel like we could pull the audio back from camp. Guys, Mike Strawn had another big day, but again, my expectations are maybe a red zone roll. Like, it, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself with some of that. So, Strawn, just based off where he was drafted, I would have said <laughs> the expectations were exactly what happened. I thought it was a redshirt year. In training camp, I thought there might be a little bit of an uptick, red zone, and that didn't play out. And again, that's the other thing I keep on getting back to with, with wideout, Chris, is your group underperformed last year at wideout, and yet those guys couldn't get on the field. Patman. Strong, you know, healthy guys. Kiki Kuti, he was healthy on your practice squad. He couldn't play either. So, um, I guess one last note on Debo, mm-hmm. too, that kind of popped into my head is just, are you willing to give up the capital and give the extension? You know, that's a lot. Yeah. That, that's a lot. Um, are you willing to do both? Colt Timo at that position has typically not <laughs> been to do one. Let alone either, or let alone both, I should say. Granted, he's a pretty unique player, so it'll be fascinating to see Forty Nineers calls bluff or how, how how that all plays out. Right. All right. Well, that wraps up Twitter questions. Obviously, we'll be back next week as we look forward to the draft. Anything you want to add to note or anything on the docket that people should be looking for on the website coming up? We got a lot of draft coverage um, that is either up on the site or will be up on the site. And also just some spring roster stuff. You know, I always like to take a position-by-position breakdown of the roster this time of year. I posted a depth chart, you know, right now. Again, it's a rough sketch, but I think it's good to just have eyes on that going in the draft of like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, that thin there. Or, oh, wow, that's a little deeper there than I originally thought. So that's up on the website now. Again, Colts coverage, you can find that. Scroll through my Twitter feed. There's some article links as well. Um Chris Presley, thank you. Your Australian accent was brilliant. Good day, mate. Had to go get a blooming onion for dinner to round things out there. And a Foster's. Oh, look at that. Look at that. I I had a Foster's on my birthday one year. Took myself and Jack Dillon and Alex Miller had a Foster's. thing was horrible. No offense, Jay Stacco. Stacco from Sydney, I appreciate your listening. I downed it, but it wasn't necessarily by, uh, by choice. Again, Chris Presley, Kevin Bowen. I've got a bachelor party this weekend. Prayers accepted. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Draft next week. Enjoy. Later. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.